Absolutely. And I think in our creative industry, to me, the best way to do that is to just keep creating. You know, it's like we get so caught up in the business stuff and how to build a business and how to scale. And sometimes we forget to really nurture our creativity. And I just think in the beginning, you're probably exploring a lot of different styles and aesthetics and creative techniques. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to hone in right in the beginning. This is like the perfect time to allow your creativity to flourish and just see what sort of naturally emerges for you, what comes to light, what feels really important and creatively fulfilling for you so that then those values can kind of naturally emerge instead of trying to force it a little bit too early. there, you're listening to The Render Podcast, a business podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, and I'm a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business. I've been in the event industry and am wildly passionate about education for small businesses and teaching others through the mistakes we've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. All right, welcome into a new podcast episode on the Render Podcast. I am your host, Cam, and I am so excited to be here with Sarah Erickson. She has been such a gem in our lives at Beautiful Event Rentals and has been with us through the journey of our branding. And so she, in our thought and mind, is the branding expert. And so I brought her on today to talk all things branding, all things marketing, and I'm so excited to have her here. So Sarah, will you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe a fun fact about yourself. Hi, everyone. And thank you so much, Cam, for all of those kind words. That really means a lot to me, um, especially coming from you. It's been really great to work (laughs) with each other over the years and to see how your business has grown by leaps and bounds. Um, So it's been really fun to be along for the ride. As you mentioned, I am a brand and website designer at Sarah Ann Design. I love crafting brand identities and custom website designs for creatives and small businesses. So I'm really passionate about this topic today, and I'm excited to see where it can go. Awesome. Sarah, I feel like you are kind of like an extension of our team. Like anything that we need branded or like an extra little additive, we're like, call Sarah. Sarah's the best. (laughs) So we like to say that you're kind of a part of our extended team. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. (laughs) I know you have such a great team on board too. So it's nice to be considered highly within that group. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, what is branding and marketing in your words? What would you describe those things being? Yeah, so there's kind of a lot to unpack, even in just that simple question. Um, (laughs) I think that to me, branding is comprised of three things. So the first is visual design. Um, I think that's what most people think of when we talk about branding. It includes your logo design, color palette, typography, and then all the different fun stuff like packaging, stationery, or collateral materials, all those little design details that you mentioned before. Those kind of fall under that first category of visual design. But branding also goes a lot beyond that. So the second part, I think, is brand voice. That's the way that you speak to your clients, both in the vocabulary you use or the cadence of your speaking or even the familiarity or formality of your tone. Like if you drop slang or if you're much more formal in your approach to your clients, all of those things kind of come together in brand voice. And then the third and final would be your brand imagery. So this refers to the photography that you're sharing as part of your brand, which can include the style of photography, you know, the type of photographer that you're usually working with 
with, whether it's on film or someone who looks for really bright and crisp images. Those different colors and composition all matter a lot in establishing a cohesive brand imagery for your brand. So when a business can successfully integrate all three of those, the visual design, the brand voice, and the brand imagery, I feel like that's a true representation of successful branding on the whole. I love that. It's kind of like your head, your heart, and your soul. (laughs) It's like the key parts to it. I love that. (laughs) Now, how does branding interact with marketing? I feel like some people get the two confused or there's different elements to each. And so when you have a strong brand voice and identity and visual aspect of it, how does that transfer into marketing and how can you use it? Yeah. Okay. So for this question, I think I'll actually kick it back to my college days. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I can't wait to hear. I studied creative advertising and graphic design in college, and part of that was taking various marketing classes in addition to the design and branding classes. So under that structure, um, advertising and design would actually be considered a subset of marketing. So marketing would be made up of the four P's. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. Have you? I haven't. No. Okay, good deal. Um, The four P's under marketing are product, price, place, and promotion. So product is, of course, what you're selling. That's like the tangible good or service that you provide. I think starting there is really helpful. Identifying is your product actually fulfilling a need? Are you serving a gap in a market? really digging into what makes your business and your product worthwhile at the, at the foundation. So that's our first one, product. The second would be price, which is the cost of your product. That's not just about like the total sales that you want to make, although that's an important factor. It also impacts your market and sales strategy. You know, a lot of creatives are hoping to reach a higher end market. A higher price point can be part of that. It kind of increases that perceived luxury. So we have product price and then place refers to the geographic location you serve and the intangibles. So that would be where you sell, whether that's like online or in-person meetings or even over the phone. So those are the first three, product, price, place. Promotion is kind of where all the magic happens, that last P. (laughs) Um, Once you have those first three in place, then you can really dive into promotion under that big umbrella of marketing in the four Ps. I love that. I hope that people just wrote so many notes about that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm digging up my old college notes to spitfire this at you, but it is really helpful to think about, especially for small businesses. You know, I think a lot of bigger companies do incorporate those marketing ideas, and there's no reason that we can't bring it down to the small business level, too. Um, So that that last P, promotion, that includes everything from your advertising, your public relations, to your direct marketing, social media, and last but definitely not least, my personal favorite, branding. So that's kind of a long way to get there, but branding is this subset of an overall much bigger marketing effort that you should have for your business. So it's kind of like you can't fulfill your entire marketing without your branding, And your branding is so important in your marketing is what I'm hearing. Yes, exactly. I mean, imagine if you tried to create a brand, but you had no idea what the product or the price or the place was. (laughs) It wouldn't really work well. (laughs) I love that. One thing that I teach some of our students is that when you have a platform such as your website, but you also have an Instagram and you also have a Facebook and you also have all these different mediums of where people find you. If they don't all cohesively look the same, they're going to feel like they're on totally different websites and totally different businesses. And so that's so important to remember that without your marketing, you can't have branding. Without your branding, you can't have effective marketing. 
And so it all has to be cohesive. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And I think that is super important as you're setting up this client trust factor too. You know, they may come across you on Instagram, like you mentioned, for example, but then when they click over to your website, if it doesn't feel cohesive, you've lost a lot of that trust then with that potential client. You know, they're a little confused about where they've landed and it doesn't all match this cohesive experience that you want to promote to them as something they can expect from working with you. Yeah, I love that. So we clearly have hired you to do our branding because you're so fantastic about it. Um, if our listeners don't know, Sarah was at the very beginning of our branding and saw our old logo and helped develop our very first website. Actually, I think it was our second website, but she was working for another company and was the backend system of how our brand identity showed up. And then when she branched off her to herself, we loved the way that she did the first one and we knew that we needed some sort of a refresher. And so she was a part of that second part of our brand story as well. And so we're so thankful she's been able to see every single part of who we have been as a as a brand. Gosh, probably what, five years, four years, something like that. I was trying to think if there was a number on it. Yeah, it's been crazy. So some people might not be able to afford a brand person. I don't know what you would call it. Brand activist, brand something. Brand, brand guru. I'm going to call you the brand guru. So So if someone is just starting out and they cannot find or they cannot afford to hire a brand guru as yourself, what are some things that they can do now so that when they can afford to have a brand guru, that they are set up for success and they still have some sort of a brand voice and identity without necessarily having to go out and hire someone to do that? Yes, such a good question. And I feel like you hit on a good point there too. I I may be kind of putting my own foot in my mouth here, but I feel like branding is not necessarily the first investment that should be made for a new business. I think that, you know, it's kind of the exciting part. It's really fun to see everything come together with a beautiful logo. But like you just mentioned, you know, there is a lot that can evolve over the years. So I think really taking that time to establish yourself at the core can be a much more intentional way to approach branding so that when you are ready to hire someone, you really have all of those foundational pieces in place already. So I love that you're already starting with that thought. (laughs) So start doing some core values. Start figuring out who you are as a company. Absolutely. And I think in our creative industry, to me, the best way to do that is to just keep creating. You know, it's like we get so caught up in the business stuff and how to build a business and how to scale. And sometimes we forget to really nurture our creativity. And I just think in the beginning, you're probably exploring a lot of different styles and aesthetics and creative techniques. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to hone in right in the beginning. This is like the perfect time to allow your creativity to flourish and just see what sort of naturally emerges for you, what comes to light, what feels really important and creatively fulfilling for you so that then those values can kind of naturally emerge instead of trying to force it a little bit too early on. I love that. Now, branding, I know for other companies, because I've heard my students talk about it, they're like, branding is a huge thing. Like you have to think about your fonts and your colors, you know, all these different elements to your brand that you're talking about. But like as a rental company, for example, we're not that great at that. Like we're really good at picking out furniture or putting things together like at an event or a social gathering or something. But when it comes to words and fonts and (laughs) things like that, we work really great with our hands, not with our computers or things like that. 
So what do you think branding broken down on a realistic level looks like when someone works with you? How do you make it to where it's not overwhelming and it's just a simple process? Yeah, so I I feel like you've definitely hit on some of the fears that a lot of people have as they head into branding. There are always a lot of ideas and thoughts going around. And the thing is, you don't have to define that for yourself. (laughs) Branding can be really daunting, um, but it's going to be a lot easier with a professional you can trust. Just like you guys are professionals in your own given field, brand designers are trained to walk through this process with you and help you find the things that are really significant to you. Um, And that'll help keep your brand distinctive and unique instead of trying to get a little over-inspired by what's already out there. So yeah, I think as creatives, it's easy to get caught up in our own style preferences and to admire other designs that are out there. But the thing is, branding is really not about you. It's about the ideal client. (laughs) So this is an inherently personal industry. So part of the brand will probably reflect your personality. Um, But on the whole, branding is not about what appeals to you. It's about what appeals to your potential clients. So most brand designers, myself included, will start with some kind of creative brief, and that will help you define a brand strategy. We'll walk through all those soul-searching questions, help you uncover those values, your unique offerings, and then the common fears that all of your clients share so that then we can position you as the unique person to solve those fears. So when we start with those foundations with a creative brief, it's a lot easier to uncover that distinctive brand identity and one that's well-rooted in strategy instead of kind of grasping at different fonts and colors that maybe we just like and don't really have a lot of purpose and meaning behind them. That's so interesting because I think most people think about branding as you know, the owner or the CEO of the company likes a certain font or likes a certain color palette or, you know, they have their own preconceived idea of of what it is that we like. But I probably have heard it at some point from you that it's all about your ideal customer. Um, But that makes so much sense that your branding should be what's attractive to them and not what's attractive to me because I'm not the one renting for myself. um, And if I am, I'm not paying for it. Right, right. And I think that's so hard when we do, like I said, we work in such a personal and creative industry, it can be really hard to take a step back and to try to put ourselves in the shoes of the potential client, especially when the potential client maybe does not look a lot like ourselves. (laughs) Maybe they have a bigger budget than we would personally or different tastes or aesthetic um, or just different fears that they're looking for a trusted expert to solve. So it is difficult to take that step back and distance ourselves from our business a little bit. But I believe that's usually the best strategy to uncover what's really going to build your business and not just be a beautiful design. That makes sense. My clients' budgets are likely higher than what I would pay for a certain event, for sure. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, Okay, so let's switch gears to marketing a bit. I know that you do some marketing. You used to work for a marketing agency as well. Um, The social media game, man, it changes all the time. (laughs) And I'm not just talking about Instagram. I'm talking about all different types of marketing mediums. I mean, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's uh, Twitter and LinkedIn and Snapchat and now TikTok and like so many. Don't even talk to me about trying (laughs) to do a TikTok dance. I don't know that I could ever adapt to that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I like totally think it'd be so much fun, but I'm sure I would look like such a loser if I did a dance. (laughs) But there's so many different platforms and there's so many things that 
we could do for our businesses. And there's definitely different mediums that are best for creative industries, especially those that are visual. So with algorithms changing all the time and with new platforms popping up, it feels like every two years or less, instead of focusing on the metrics and how many followers you have and how many likes and engagement you have, what are maybe three things that someone could do now to focus on more of their authenticity or pouring into their audience and really showing up as themselves? Yes, I love that. Okay, yeah. So I have a couple of different thoughts here. And you're right, everything is constantly changing. You know, we can't necessarily rely on those social media programs to still be in place in the future. But that being said, they are tools that are here and available for us to use and are oftentimes free as well. So I think it's worthwhile to take advantage of them. That being said, I think my number one would be to stop trying to appeal to everybody. Again, instead, hone in on your ideal client. Don't get swept up in all of the different tips that you're constantly seeing, um, this bombardment of messages on how you should be on Instagram stories or you should be on Pinterest or whatever it is. And again, really take it back to that ideal client and ask yourself where they like to hang out, where are they searching for your service? And that's really where you should focus your efforts. Really focus on appealing to that client specifically and not to everybody out there. So that being said, I also, I guess I I like to think of ideal clients in maybe a little bit of a different way that I think maybe would be good to talk about here. Yeah, a lot of people, I think, think about their ideal client as this little avatar and where they like to shop, which can be really helpful. But I think an ideal client really comes down to two things that they need to have in order to be that ideal client for you and your business. So they need to be able to invest in your services and they need to bring you projects that excite you. So you need clients that can invest in you because this is a business. You know, this isn't a hobby, not that there's anything wrong with hobbies, but we are in a business in order to make an income. So those ideal clients need to be people who can afford to invest in you. If people can't afford to invest in you, you don't need to be talking to them on social media. They're not your client, not for this business. And then that second part is that you need clients who keep your job really exciting and inspiring and creatively fulfilling. Otherwise, you would still be at the nine to five in a cubicle somewhere. (laughs) So I think it's really important to have those ideal clients bringing you something that feels creatively challenging or inspiring, or maybe you feel most rewarded when you're working with really down-to-earth people or of a particular personality. Think about those things and what really makes a project fun and enjoyable for you. (laughs) So once you can find that balance of a client that is both creatively exciting and can afford to invest at you at your ideal price point, that's what makes up the ideal client. So if they don't fit either of those categories, you don't need to be talking with them on Instagram. Oh my gosh, so good. Because I think a lot of times we're like, oh, but they're going to pay us money. So we need to take that client anyways, which certainly sometimes is the case, especially with the recent pandemic going on. But if you can afford to be at a place where you can choose who you want to work with and choose who you want to engage with, man, that is such a blessing to have. Like not everyone who follows us and not everyone who is commenting on some of our stuff is people who can afford what we put together or has the same aesthetic or style that we like. And that's okay. There are other companies that do that. (laughs) 
yeah, that doesn't make them any any less than. <laughs> that probably means that there's another vendor in our industry who can serve them better than we can. So I think it's best to let them find and connect with that person while we focus on connecting with the people who will be that ideal audience for us and for our businesses. So that was kind of a long answer to my, my first thought on <laughs> social media. Um, <laughs> I guess the second thing that came to mind there is just as you're talking to that ideal audience to give generously. I think a lot of times when we post on media, on social media, it feels like a chore or a task or a to-do list that we want to cross off. But really when we get on social media, you have to deliver value to your audience. That's part of building that brand trust and the brand recognition, establishing yourself as someone who can serve your audience well before they're even paying you. That'll help establish you as that brand expert um, in the very beginning so that they know they can trust you when they are ready to book your services. So if it's not valuable, don't post. I think that's a tough love thing to hear that sharing a pretty photo with an arbitrary caption is not going to connect with your audience on that authentic level. You really need to give generously of your expertise and be able to deliver that value to your audience so you're not wasting their time or your own, really. I love that you said be generous with what you put out because I feel like so many companies, especially in the creative industry, want to hold it close. They want to hold their trade secrets and their ideas and all the things that they put together for that one special moment or that one styled shoot coming up or that one wedding coming up or that one whatever. And I feel like there's such this mantra. And I think there's a little less of this than it was maybe a couple of years ago. But there's still very much a presence of don't share too much or don't share everything. Just share like a little tidbit of something. And I think that's interesting because why not? Like, why shouldn't we share what we know? Because one, it's going to show our expertise. And two, it's going to connect with people who may not have connected with us before because they see that we're being authentic and going all in in our businesses. Yes, that is all spot on 100%. I could not agree more. (laughs) I feel like the only way to really establish yourself as that expert is to share your expertise. Um, And that will come back as a good thing for you in the end. It doesn't harm your business to me in any way. Right. I feel like some people think differently about that, but that is okay. And they're the owners of their businesses. So that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. Well, I guess that's my final number three to the idea of social media. I think it's important kind of following that line to focus on cultivating authentic relationships offline. And I think this is something that you and your team have done really well. But I think just that referrals will always be our best marketing tool. I'm not trying to promote being sleazy about networking, but (laughs) actually sitting down with people to form genuine relationships with people who share a similar client base that you do or who can challenge you to be better in your own business. I think the more that we can connect with people and share with them what we have to offer, it'll result in higher quality leads and they're more likely to be from people who will likely be those ideal clients. So usually it takes time and effort to establish that trust with a potential client. But when they come from a referral, that trust is already there. So more than spending your time on social media, 
See what you can do to connect with your community, take somebody out to coffee, send somebody a surprise in the mail, do what you can to cultivate those authentic relationships away from the screen. And I think that'll go so much further than any time invested on Pinterest or Instagram or Facebook ever could. I totally agree with that. In 2019, we decided as a team that our marketing efforts were one going to go towards social media because that's where most people are. But the majority of our marketing efforts in dollars were going to go into building relationships with people and not necessarily spending all of our time online or on all of those platforms because there's so many. And so I love that you said marketing has so much to do with the world outside of your screen. And in today's world, where so many people are so invested in social media and texting instead of calling or having interaction that's not in person, and it's tough to build those relationships without being in person. And you know me, I love to network and go to networking events, but sometimes networking events is not as authentic as going out to eat with someone or grabbing coffee or even just stopping by someone's work goes such a long way. Absolutely. And even if it is not something that you're able to set up as a face-to-face meeting, um, I mean, those I think can have so much value and really go a long way in, in establishing a relationship. But also think a little bit creatively about something as simple as a handwritten thank you note on branded stationery. I mean, that goes such a long way to ensure this elevated experience for your past clients so that they then become your brand advocates. It's all those little details off screen that are so much more memorable. I mean, I've been the lucky recipient of one of your invitations before. (laughs) (laughs) And the paper is beautiful. It's so much more memorable. I mean, I can still picture that tangible feeling of what it felt like in my hands and how much fun it is to open something in the mail. And that is so much more memorable than, you know, an Instagram post from six months ago. I probably don't remember, but those tangible things I do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. You loved that. That was a whole reason we did invitations. There's so many people who do little open houses, especially here in Dallas, Texas. And a lot of them do like a paperless post or an invite or just an email or something. And us as a company, we decided, you know what, let's take it a step further because One, snail mail is like totally out. Nobody does that anymore. And two, I know that I love receiving something paper in my hands that I can physically touch because it just goes so much longer of a way. And so we decided to do that. Gosh, I think we started doing that two or three years ago. And I love that people still remember it. It makes me feel so special. (laughs) Of course. It's so much more memorable. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do love to receive those little surprises and gifts that just goes a long way to delight your clients and your network. And again, keep it, keep you really top of mind for both other vendors and for past clients. You know, as soon as they are being asked for a referral, you're going to be the first person that comes to mind because you've provided that memorable touch for them. So yeah, I think anytime that you can create some kind of connection off screen, it'll be much more lasting and memorable and lead to those high quality referrals. Um, Again, weighing your time cost factor, that's going to be so much more worth your time than trying to curate that perfect Instagram feed. Yeah, for sure. One of the things that we also do in our business, which I hope our listeners, maybe they're also rental companies or other creative businesses, but we make a point. We'll write a postcard after they book with us that just says, hey, we're so honored that you chose to work with us. We're very excited about your date, blah, 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 blah. And then after the event, we will send them another um, handwritten 
note card with, you know, a stamp in, in an actual envelope, not necessarily a postcard. And we will just, you know, thank them for their business and ask them if we can do anything more for them. And we send that about a month afterwards. And so we're just continually putting something in the snail mail um, so that they can see it. So I love that. And it really does just bookend the entire brand experience on a cohesive note. I think that's a big part of branding is giving people all of these different little touch points where they see the cohesion and connection among all those different pieces as well. Right. Yeah. Your brand doesn't have to only be for yourself or for your social media. Your brand goes all the way through the communication that you have with your clients and with the people that are a part of your team. 100%. Love that. Well, any final thoughts, notes, any extra little tidbits about marketing and branding that you want to share with our audience? Um, Yeah, so as a final thought, I would just recommend that anybody who's listening, give yourself a little bit of time set aside to reflect on your brand from a very intentional place. Again, I think it's really easy to get caught up in all of these different marketing tactics, which can be helpful tools, but they won't go very far if you're not founded in in a really strong place to start. So I encourage you to set aside a little bit of that time and really think about your brand values, what's really important to you and important to the way that you serve your clients, and also about the things that bring you that creative joy that we talked about earlier. You know, what do you hope for your business to bring in? What type of work do you want to attract? Um, So that you can really start from that place as you work on your branding and continue to grow it and evolve it over the years. No matter how it changes, the brand values and principles will always be in alignment with that foundation that you've set. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing all of your expertise and all the things that you do so well. We're so honored that we get to share you with some of our audience. You're so sweet. That really means a lot. And I hope some of our listeners have found something helpful from today's conversation. Um, It's always a joy to chat with you. And I know I'm always walking away from our conversations with new revelations and things to think about as we both continue to pursue our creative businesses. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Oh my gosh, I wrote down so many notes about branding and marketing. Thank you so much, Sarah, for going on to this podcast episode with us. We cannot wait to share her with you on our Instagram Live on the Render Podcast Instagram account. Next week, we will launch another episode at 8 a.m. on Wednesday, and we cannot wait to have you join there. If you've liked these episodes at all, please subscribe and review to let other people know that you really love it. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you soon.